you know, I've worked for the conference office in the literature ministries department or the publishing department for coming up on 14 years. And I don't think that I've actually, I don't think I've actually preached in this church yet. I was here for uh, uh, a wedding, Kristen Apple, Appling, yeah, yeah. That was the first time that I saw the green carpet. And it's been seared in my memory ever since. So, a lot of, although, even though I haven't preached here, I do, I do have, I do feel like I have some connections. Um, Pastor John, kind of weird calling him Pastor John. Uh, he uh, and I were uh, involved in cold ordering back in 2005, I think it was, 2005. And um, David and Erica, they came with us on a mission trip. That's when I met them first time out in uh, San Francisco where we passed out a million tracks. That was back in what, 2016 maybe or so. And then uh, Kenny Fluence. Uh, so I kind of know his parents, but I know Kenny real well. And Kenny's been with us, helping us with some of our uh, GLOW mission trips too. So it's a blessing to be here. And uh, I am uh, I'm glad that uh, God gave me the the health to be here because I've been getting over something recently. And uh, so um, one of the things that we do in our department literature ministries is uh, we have several Bible workers. And uh, believe it or not, uh, even though we're working with publishing and literature ministries, um, Lewis Scott, your Bible worker here, is uh, actually supervised by our department. And uh, we share half the expense for him, actually a little bit under half. So, um, well, you don't need to thank me. Thank the evangelism offering and their appropriations. So you can thank by giving at camp meeting to the evangelism offering. Maybe we'll give you two Bible workers. But, um, you know, Lewis is, uh, is, uh, is just one guy, and there's so many people to reach here. And so, uh, you know, it's really helpful if uh, you can help Lewis. And if you help Lewis, it'll make him much more effective as a Bible worker. One of the ways that you can help him, he already mentioned, which is, you know, accompanying him going door to door. If you've ever felt intimidated going door to door, now is your moment. You can go out and get your toes wet in the water of door to door and maybe not even have to say anything. You just watch an experienced guy go and do it. You can shadow him. Amen. Amen. You know, and uh, it, it's a blessing going out there and meeting people in their homes. Um, the other way that you can help Lewis is by sharing your contact list with him. And I don't mean texting him all the contacts on your cell phone. I mean, if you have some people that you're praying for that live close here in town, some friends or family, people that you could wish were in a better spiritual situation in their lives, share those people. Talk, connect Lewis and them together. Be the bridge. And uh, Lewis is uh, some of the best people that Lewis can, can benefit are the people that are connected with you. So Lewis can come in and bring the, the Bible studies and the, and the knowledge of the Bible, which of course you can too, but he's paid to do it. And uh, you can bring to the equation your connections. So um, I hope that uh, my little announcement here gets Lewis so inundated with contacts from you, of your friends and family. See, he's saying bring them on, um, that uh, he, he'll just have too much. A Couple other announcements, and then we'll get into our little uh, talk this morning. Um, I believe that um, some people in the Adventist church are called to do cult ordering as a full-time job. You don't see that very much in North America anymore, and there's reasons for that, but uh, it can happen. 
There are some places where it's happening. But in Central California Conference, we're aiming to bring it back. So I know that this message is probably not resonating with most of you in here. But if there is one or two people that are interested in learning about how to be a co-porter uh, and do it as a job uh, here in our conference, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow starting at 10 at the conference office, 10 until 3. And uh, we're going to be talking about what the conference's plans are for how you can get involved with this frontline ministry. Did you know that you actually can be a coal porter and make living wages? We hired a coal porter actually at the conference uh, just a few months ago to help us spearhead this project, and he took a pay cut by joining the conference. He averaged $600 in sales every day in our conference territory, and uh, he's not making near that amount of money. Believe me, we don't have a budget for that. So if you're interested in learning how to do that, please uh, you can talk to me afterwards, but uh, at the conference office at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we'll provide lunch too. Uh, you're welcome to come. Um, the last thing is, um, if anybody wants to this summer go to Germany, um, I'd be more than happy to have you come with me. Um, we're going to go there, and we're going to pass out a million glow tracks, and I can't do it all myself, so I'm hoping that I can have a few people come and help me to pass out those tracks, the German and English tracks in Germany. There's going to be some big um, Euro Cup games of some kind over there. There will be a lot of people, and there will be a lot of cars. So we're going to go to Munich and uh, pass out one million glow tracks. So if you're interested in that, uh, if you want to learn more information about that, um, you can visit glowmissiontrips.org, and that will give you all the information about that mission trip, also allow you to register for it as well. David, did we have fun when we went out and passed out a million tracks in San Francisco? Amen. Amen. Blessings when we go out and do frontline evangelism like that. So um, come with me to Germany and um, pray for our plans. We're also planning on um, doing another million track distribution in 2021 in Siberia. So pray for that. If you'd like to come out to the cold and help us pass out Russian tracks, we'd love to have you there too. Okay, you ready for the sermon? Amen. All right, so by raise of hands, how many people here have had a pet bird before? All right, uh, I used to have a pet bird. Actually, I had a couple. One was a cockatiel, that was my favorite. And then uh, I caught another one, it was a budgie or the, the parakeets, and that one was nice too. Um, one thing that my wife and I really like to do, and I have some slides which hopefully will, will work. There we go. Um, one thing that my wife and I like to do uh, and as a hobby is we like to go birding. There we go. There's a picture of my wife and I. And um, birding is not going out and looking at birds just for the sake of their beauty and just looking at their plumage. Birding is basically, it's, it's a, an activity where um, you make a list called a life list and you mark down every single species of bird that you find in your entire life. And so since there's over 10,000 species of birds in the world, you can make a really, really long life list. Um, there are people who devote most of their time to this, going all over different parts of the world and identifying different birds and making their life list longer and longer and longer. So it's, if you're into collecting things or if you're into hunting or if you're into you know, just being out in nature a lot, any one of those three or a combination thereof uh, make it really motivating to go and do birding. Um, in fact, when I was driving here this morning, in fact, um, I was... I was noting the different birds that I would see um, because, and, and, and uh, keeping a mental note so I can create a checklist because 
there's actually an online birding society where they actually keep tally of the top 100 birders in, per county. And at one point, I was number six for Fresno County, um, but uh, I've fallen behind, and now I'm number 17 as of last night, but I was trying to get some more species so that I could bring myself higher on that list. In fact, maybe if there's sunlight by the time I get back home today, I'll go and find a pond and get some extra species. But it, be, it becomes quite addictive. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to learn three lessons from birds. How many lessons? Three, three lessons from birds. These are takeaway lessons you can take home and, uh, and chew on. And uh, in, in the midst of learning these three lessons, we're going to have three quizzes about birds, right? So that you can learn about birds today and then learn lessons from birds, okay? So I'm interested because I've given this sermon at a couple different churches. And uh, Merced Olive East was the last one that I gave it at. And they had some really good birders there. I'm interested to see, uh, understand and see the birding knowledge of uh, the Parkwood Church here. Do we have any avid birders? Oh, okay, we've got a couple, three, maybe four. Okay, good. If you can get all of the questions in my quizzes right, because they're interspersed, we'll have three different quizzes throughout the sermon. If you can get all of them right, I will give you a little stone that I collected from another country. I have one from Germany and one from the Netherlands. So I already gave away the ones from Africa and some other places. So are you motivated now? It's an inexpensive gift, but people really like that. They, they like little stones. So, Okay, so here we go. Um, oh, I wanted to show you a couple neat birds that my wife and I found. That's one we found in Florida. Uh, you can see on the chart there that it's only in the tip of Florida uh, in the United States, smooth-billed Annie. I just wanted to show you a couple of really interesting ones. That's an oven bird. Uh, I took that picture there on the left. Um, cute little guy. Anybody want to guess what kind of bird that is sitting on that branch? What kind of owl? A great horned? Actually, you know, any, the birders want to take a guess at that? Actually, that's not an owl. It's a growth on the tree limb. <laughs> I'm not joking. It, was so look, it looked so much like an owl that we took a picture of it, my wife and I, and I sent it to a couple birders and confused them. Um, you're welcome. That is a yellow-eyed junco, not a dark-eyed junco. Those are just in the southern tip of Arizona in the U.S., this is a really uh, a yellow-bellied sapsucker. They're not actually supposed to be in California, but we found it up in Fresno area, took a picture. When we loaded that up onto the internet, all kinds of birders started contacting me, asking me, where did you find that? Because it's not actually supposed to be in California. It had gotten lost. Um, yeah, pretty cool. There's my, my daughter. She's looking through her uh, toilet paper binoculars. <laughs> you notice the brand on there? It's called Zeiss. That's the high-end brand for binoculars with duct tape. You, you know you can spend four, over $4,000 on a pair of binoculars. That would be Zeiss for you. Uh, she catches birds sometimes. And then there's our online profile, some of the different places we've gone birding. Okay, here's the first quiz, and then we're going to get into our three lessons, okay? Quiz question number one. Name that bird. Somebody said blue jay. That's, mm-mm. Guess again. Yes, California scrub jay. Good. You guys are doing good so far. Name that bird. Wow, okay, turkey vulture. You know, I'm going to have to have the birders not yell so loud the answers. Okay, and uh, third question? No, no, read the question. Okay, let's take a vote. How many people think that the, that the California quail is the one on the right? 
How many think it's the one on the left? The California quail is the one on the right. The mountain quail is the one on the left. Now you know. You can get those mountain quail up in the Sierras. They make a completely different sound, too. All right, ready for lesson number one from birds? That's a beautiful picture. Most likely those are European starlings. I was reading an article the other day in a birding magazine. Believe it or not, they do have birding magazines. And um, they were talking about why birds like to flock together. Why they, what's the benefit to the birds? And one of the reasons why birds flock together is because it provides safety. In other words, if you have a uh, hundred birds in a group, uh, it's more likely that one of those pairs of eyes is going to see that red-tailed hawk than if one of those birds is by itself, right? And so uh, let's turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. And if somebody has that in the New King James Version, it would be a blessing if you would read that for us. I like how that version renders it. Proverbs chapter 12, Verse 26, New King James Version. Somebody read it nice and loud. Go ahead. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Is it dangerous to have wicked friends? <laughs> well, let's think about this. So we can learn a lesson from birds. They like to flock together for safety, right? Because when you're in a group of birds and one other bird is, uh, you know, squawking about a red-tailed hawk being nearby, uh, you, can, you can pay attention to that and uh, protect yourself. Now, um, one of the benefits of being part of a, a group such as, a spiritual group such as a church, a church body, is that we also can have, in that context, we have spiritual friends, spiritual relationships with people, uh, with other spiritual people. And when they sound the warning cry to us, and they say, hey, you know what, you might not want to try and do that. That's a benefit to us, isn't it? Right? So one of the lessons that we can learn from birds is that we should be part of a church because the church is a place of safety. We are made by God to be people that are influenced by other people. And it's very important who we associate ourselves with or who we connect with ourselves because the people that we associate ourselves with will either bring us up spiritually or they'll bring us down spiritually. And this message is particularly relevant, I think, for young adults, those of you who are in your early 20s, late teens, uh, especially for you who are in a critical stage in life. You haven't selected a life partner. Um, you're in a formative stage of your character. You're still adjustable in your views. It's really important that you pick to surround your, yourself with people who are going to be a benefit to you spiritually. Can I hear the parents say amen? amen? Another thing that we can learn about this is that when birds flock together and they're provided more protection, it's similar to the way that when we're in church, we have friends who see things that we don't, and sometimes they correct us. Isn't that interesting? That one of the benefits of going to church, one of the benefits of being part of a church is that you can get corrected, Oh, that kind of seems like a counterintuitive thing, doesn't it? Well, who here likes being corrected, you know? Well, you know, did you, cor correction is actually a blessing for us. It's only when self and 
pride sometimes get in the way that it turns into something other than that. You know what I mean? So think about the last time that you were corrected or your, stoves, your toes were stepped on in church. Rather than thinking about that as a negative experience, why not try to view it in the positive and say, you know what, there might be a, a nugget of truth in what that church member told me. And maybe I should take that, even if they didn't say it in the nicest manner, maybe I should just take what they're saying and, and gain a little something from it. Amen? I think that we can learn from each other, don't you? Church is a place of safety. Let's surround ourselves. You know, when you're isolated and you don't have spiritual friends that you can associate with, people who will talk to you about spiritual things and set a godly example, when you're isolated from that, it's not going to be very long until you fall. We have to have support systems in life. We have to have people on the journey towards the kingdom that will buoy us up. Second uh, reason why um, birds flock together, the second reason why birds flock together is because they get to eat more food. Did you know that? They do. Um, yeah, there's a picture of some, uh, anybody want to know, anybody know the name of those? Cedar waxwings, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why birds flock together is because they get more food. Think about it. If you have a hundred or a thousand birds in, in, a, in a group on the ground and they're all feeding, you get, to, you get to focus more on finding the seeds on the ground because you know that inevitably, at any second, there's other birds around you that are looking up to see if there's something going on. So they feel more comfortable. They're able to focus more on the feeding itself. So I like to think about it this way. Um, people who go to church uh, are, are fatter spiritually than people who don't. <laughs> because when you're part of a church, when you're part of a church family, you get to rub shoulders with people who've been studying the Bible just like you. And they'll look at the same verse that you looked at the week prior, and they'll come up with five different things that you didn't even see. And so when you come together and you discuss those things, you gain more food spiritually. You know, one of the, best one of the biggest uh, spiritual feeding times uh, that the church provides is Sabbath school. Sabbath school. I just want to put a plug in there for that. Um, friends, you know, it's, it's okay to come to the sermon, but if you make it to Sabbath school, that's where you can have more interaction, and you can share what you've been studying, and if you haven't been studying, then you can be held accountable for not studying. <laughs> Actually, I'm just joking. Nobody's going to hold you accountable. Well, I shouldn't say that, but we're just going to leave that there and move on. Um, I want to encourage you, friends, go to Sabbath school. Uh, try to make it up. If we can get to work at 8 in the morning, we can surely make it to Sabbath school at 9.30. And um, I know it's, it's Sabbath and it's, it's time to sleep in. Um, you know, I mean, it's a little bit more of a relaxing day. But still, an hour and a half difference, you can sleep in for an hour and a half longer on Sabbath and still make it to Sabbath school on time. Right? And, and, and you can be benefited and you can benefit others. Do you know? One of the fastest ways, do you, does anybody here feel like a little bit intimidated by giving a Bible study to somebody outside of these walls? Raise your hand. Do you feel, I mean, have you ever felt that? Let me not ask you, you currently do, you know? Well, you know, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. In fact, when you teach, it's one of the most effective ways to get something lodged in your head long term. So when you go to Sabbath school, even though you're not the teacher, 
If you study in advance so that you can prepare a comment or two to share, you're, you're in essence teaching people a little bit when you come and you're learning much more effectively. So, Sabbath school is a blessing. But the bigger, the bigger issue is it's good to be part of a church because you can rub shoulders with people who can feed you spiritually. And this is important. Um, there's a verse in Ephesians where it says, or I'm sorry, Hebrews, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the sooner and sooner we see Jesus coming, the more and more we should be spending time with each other, right? So that we can encourage each other, build each other up. That's part of the benefit of being part of a spiritual community. And, uh, and, and why? Why is this? And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Jesus has big goals for us. He wants us to actually get to the point where we can be called a perfect man as a corporate body, reflecting Jesus in his character. And friends, if, if we're here and Jesus wants us way over there, believe me, we need all the help we can get. And you're not going to climb up that hill by yourself. You need other people that can help you. So it's a benefit to be part of a church. Okay, we're going to take a quick quiz break, and then we'll go to lesson number two. Ready for quiz number two? Before we get to uh, lesson number two from the birds? Okay, here we go. Get the birders ready. Which, one a crow, which one's a crow and which one's a raven? Make up the idea in your mind. You don't have to call it out. Okay, the one on the right is the, wow, divided. The one on the right is the crow. The one on the left is the raven. So, when you see these little animals, you shall forever henceforth know the difference and be able to identify them. First of all, which one's bigger, a raven or a crow? A raven is significantly bigger. Which one has a deeper voice? A raven. Which one do you think glides more when it flies? A raven has bigger wingspan. Um, and you can also tell by the tail, even if you don't have a crow and a raven next to each other to compare size-wise, the, uh, the, the crow has more of a fan-shaped tail, and the raven has more of a, a wedge or diamond-shaped uh, ending on its tail. So you can tell uh, when you're looking at them flying by. All right. Well, if you didn't know, now you do. All right, quiz question number two. Which is a golden crown sparrow and which is a white crown sparrow? That's a giveaway question. That's not a trick question. It should be pretty obvious. I hope the pictures are big enough. The one on the right is the golden crown. The one on the left is the white crown sparrow. They have, they have different calls, too. Really pretty. Okay. Now we're going on to point number two. Point number two that we can learn from birds is that birds are necessary for the spreading of a lot of different seeds. Did you know that? I'm going to show you a picture here of a uh, Clark's Nutcracker. These birds are in the high altitudes of the Sierras. I've only seen it two times uh, when we've been up uh, above Kaiser Pass. And um, these birds uh, are 
are very valuable. You know why? It's because um, they take uh, seeds from the white bark pine and they uh, have strong bills so that they can get the seeds out and then they, when, they, when they're storing them, they bury them in the ground at just the perfect depth for those seeds to spring up into a tree. It, in fact, um, Clark's Nutcrackers, it's estimated that they add an $800 to $1,000 value per acre of seed planting in the Sierras. Uh, here's another picture of a bird here that illustrates the point. His mouth is open, by the way, if you can't visualize that. Uh, this is called a three-wattled bellbird, a three-wattled bellbird. And uh, these birds, uh, the males, advertise themselves in branches that have a lot of exposure, where there's not a lot of uh, um, foliage, there's not a lot of leaves in, in the tree canopy. So they'll look for a place where there's a break in the canopy in the, in the, in the forest, and then they'll position themselves right where that break is, and then they'll advertise themselves. Well, in the process of doing that, they're actually positioning themselves to drop seeds exactly where the sun is able to break through the canopy so that the sun can then help that seed to grow. Isn't that interesting? So that bird is uh, unwittingly planting seeds in a very strategic way. Uh, last example here of how birds are necessary. <laughs> That's not a chicken. Um, <laughs> Last example of how birds are necessary for planting seeds, for seeds to grow, is um, the dodo bird. Um, <clears throat> scientists were um, on an island and they noticed that there was a certain kind of tree that was uh, the youngest of that species of tree was 300 years old. And they thought, why is it that there's no younger trees? Then they found out that that 300-year-old uh, that, uh, set of trees perfectly coincided with the, the um, extinction of the dodo bird on that island. So they said, well, when the dodo birds disappeared, no longer did these trees begin to grow. So there has to be a connection. Come to find out that the seeds from that tree wouldn't uh, germinate unless they had first been processed through the digestive tract of the dodo bird. So they solved the problem by putting turkeys on the island, and that fixed it. Yeah, not the same, but, you know, the result is... If it is the same. So, so what's the lesson that we can draw from this? Birds are necessary for spreading seeds. What do you think the seed stands for, symbolically? In the Bible, Jesus even gives a parable. Yeah, the Word of God. And if we're the birds, then we're necessary to spread the seeds. Now, you've heard this probably 556 times, and I'm going to say it again. Of course, God could spread the gospel without us. In fact, angels would do a much more effective job but he chose to restrict the, the prosperity of the gospel and its advancement. He restricted it to us and what we choose to do with it. Is it isn't that huge? In other words, your next door neighbor might not actually know anything uh, significant about God unless you say something to them. Now that, that could be the case, it could not be the case. Of course, God can reach people through various means, you know. But uh, that doesn't negate the fact that we are absolutely essential in the whole chain of truth for spreading it here on earth. So just as birds are necessary for spreading seeds, uh, we also are absolutely necessary uh, to God in the process, or he's chosen to make us necessary in the process of spreading the gospel. Now, what does it look like to spread a seed? Anytime you plant a word of God in somebody's heart, you can do that by giving a Bible study, 
You can do that, obviously, still by, by giving a good example to people. And in seeing you reflect God, then, of course, they learn about him. Um, but more direct methods are giving a Bible study, um, giving a piece of literature that will do the explaining for you. In fact, you know that your, fo your foyer out here is loaded with seeds. I mean, this place here is a granary. And it's just waiting for people to grab the seeds and get them out and plant them in the neighborhood. I was just looking on uh, uh, Pastor John's desk over here, and I saw a whole pile of seeds right there. You know what they were? They're those evangelism flyers. That's a whole pile of seeds. And you know what happens, though? Those are time-sensitive seeds. They'll rot if they don't get out and planted in a certain amount of time. Now, I have, I, my personal job is to produce seeds that don't rot. I make glow tracks. And uh, you guys have some out there, too. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you, when, you are done with, when we're done together today, to, you can shake my hand and thank me. That's fine. But if you really want to thank me, you pick up some of those tracks. I'd like to see the whole foyer empty of tracks before we're done today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look, if you don't have it on you, you can't give it away. So keep it on your person. Just stick it in your pocket or your purse. Let this be a little reminder to you. You know, there's so many different people that have benefited from getting a literature. I'll think, uh, share an example. There was a, uh, a woman who decided to put glow tracks into her laundromat. And uh, she did it and noticed that the glow tracks were disappearing very quickly. And she thought, well, that's weird. I put a stack there long enough to last for a while. Maybe somebody's throwing them away. So she put her stack there one time and decided to sit down and watch what would happen. And in walked the mailman and picked up most of the stack and started walking out. And the woman stopped him and said, what are you, what are you doing? Why did you take so many of those pieces of literature? You can see where the story is going. And the mailman said, oh, these, oh, these are great. Um, I like to give these out as I'm delivering mail. Amen? Over and over again, when we've done Halloween outreach, you know, people are expecting you to come to their doors on Halloween. When we've done Halloween outreach, it, is, it has just been the easiest thing to give out tracks. And also, there's people who will take them from you and give them out as well. I mean, I, I think most of you were here when I, well, I don't know how many people go to camp meeting, but I shared the story about a, a, a man who was dressed up, a full-grown man dressed up as a banana uh, on Halloween and, and uh, in Hanford area. And he took a whole stack of, uh, of uh, uh, glow tracks from me and passed them out. And I bumped into him half an hour later, and he was out. So he took a whole other stack and kept on passing them out. So, I mean, you got this guy who's not even part of a church, our church, dressed up in a full banana suit, passing out literature. And friends, we can do that, can't we? I mean, we can at least dress up like Moses, not a banana, and pass out some tracks. What's, what's one of the best, most convenient ways to give out tracks? It's while you're on your errands, right? Those people, when you check out at the, at the grocery store or Walmart, the cashiers, sometimes they're a little bit stressed. Hey, you know, you look stressed. Here's a little something for you. Um, we have tracks that are made just for that, called A Gift for You, or Return to Rest, or Promise of Peace. Um, you can give them on, you can put them on a car when you're walking into the store, on a car when you're walking back out of the store. Um, you can put them in envelopes and mail them. There's so many different ways that you can get literature into people's hands. It's amazing. I'll share one last uh, example. There's a man, um, <clears throat> and by the way, did you know that uh, the whole idea of passing out glow tracks on Halloween, which is, there's people all over the U.S. that do that now, that that started in... Um, What's the name of that town that's real close by? Is it Oak, Oak? Oakdale? I always get it mixed up with Oakland and Oakhurst and Oakdale. Yeah, Laura Chitwood was a Bible worker back then. 
And uh, she was over there, and I was walking around with her, following up some contacts. And I noticed all these kids wandering around on Halloween night, and I said, what? why aren't we passing out tracts? So the idea started out of that. Um, okay, I was going to share one last example. There's a man in the Bay Area who has a two-foot-tall statue of uh, Daniel 2, the Daniel 2 image. And uh, he goes to places where there's a, a fair amount of traffic, foot traffic, and he just puts out a chair, sits down, and stands that little statue in front of him. And people walk by and they look at the statue and they get curious and they say, what's that? And then all he does is he just pulls out the Daniel 2 glow tract and gives it to him. Simple, right? Okay, so point number one, from the lesson we can learn from birds, it's important to be part of a spiritual community and be part of a church because it helps us to be safe spiritually and it also helps us to be more fat or fed spiritually. Point number two that we learned is from birds is that uh, we are important to spreading the seed. And it's very easy to spread seeds. We can do it even without thinking sometimes. Okay, and now we're going to go to point number three, our last, our last point in lessons that we can learn from birds. But before that, we're going to do our, our last quiz. Okay, oh, there's a picture of our logo, Glow. All right, which is the white-breasted nuthatch? Any takers? If somebody is for sure that they know the answer, raise your hand and tell us. In the back, a young boy. Are you a birder? No? All right, well, that was an educated guess then. He is correct. That is the white-breasted nuthatch. Obviously not the one on the left. That's a house finch. And then the one on the right, that is a Buick's wren. Okay, next question. Which is the osprey? I think you ought to get this. It's not the one on the left. The one in the middle is a red-tailed hawk. So the one on the right is an osprey. Okay. Last two questions. Anybody know the name of this bird? No? Any takers? I see some people kind of going like this in the back. No? A spotted towhee. Good. All right. Name this bird. A little bit more nondescript. A what? A sparrow? You know there's probably like 20, 30 different kinds of sparrows. but So that is a good guess. California towhee. Wow, we do have some birders back here. Very good. California towhee. Good. Okay. Now, last, last point, lesson we're going to learn from birds. Isn't that a funny picture? Why would birds, why would little baby birds jump out of their nest like that when they don't even know how to fly? Because mom's pushing them out? <laughs> Probably, maybe. You know, a lot of, a lot of baby birds, <clears throat> they get out of the nests as fast as they can before they're even capable of flying. Why would a baby bird decide to get out of that nice, cozy, warm, safe, I'm being fed by mama and papa environment as fast as they can? Why would birds do that? Well, that's actually a pretty good guess. Think about it. Think about this. Here's the answer. If you're a hawk and you want a nice meal, where would you go? You go to a place where there's nice and soft, multiple, small, helpless, flightless uh, Taco Bell meals sitting all in one spot, 
oh, so easy. You don't even have to chase them. They're all just right there in one place. So actually, rather than it being a place of safety, bird nests are actually often the place that babies want to get out of the fastest, even though it's kind of counterintuitive because, you know, that's nice and warm and soft and all that. So what's one of the lessons that we can learn from this, our last lesson here, is that, you know, sometimes we sit in this church like a nest. It's nice and warm and the carpet is fuzzy and plush. The pews have nice padding behind them. Um, the color, well, we could talk about that later, but it feels nice. <laughs> You're not going to invite me back, are you? When we come to church, we get to see our friends. You know, many of us are sitting next to our friends, and afterwards we get to talk to our friends, and then we get to eat with our friends. And I mean, church is just a really, really nice place to be, isn't it? But you know what? There is a lesson in this for us from the birds. If we don't get out of this nest sometimes and flex our wings, so to speak, and get out of our comfort zone and start interacting with the community, even when we don't feel like we're prepared to do it, then we're a sitting target. We're a sitting target for the hawks and for the enemy that wants to come and eat us. Did you know, friends, that if you just come to church but you don't ever share anything about your religion with people, that you are becoming weaker and weaker every week and day and month? The way that you gain strength, the way that you inoculate yourself against heresy, the way that you learn, the way that you become strong is by getting out of your comfort zone and reaching out to somebody for Christ. Amen? Because if we don't do that, oh yeah, we'll be comfortable, but we're a sitting target. In fact, it's my, it's my theory that a lot of the problems in the church would be solved if we were just more evangelistic, because then our focus would be outward and not inward, and we wouldn't see so many problems. In fact, a lot of the problems would just disappear because when you interact with people and you get rejection and you get challenged in what you believe, it helps to take the focus off of yourself. Uh, it helps humble the pride. And it also shows us how much we actually don't know. So it's a blessing to our own souls to interact with other people out of our comfort zone. Friends, if you, can't, if you feel like you can't you know, tell somebody a reasonable explanation for why you believe what you do in the Bible, in a comfortable situation in somebody's home today, how will you do so in the end of time? If you can't run with the footmen, how will you run with the horses? And I don't say that to be mean, I just say that as a bit of perspective. I wanna encourage you and challenge you. Take a lesson from the birds. Let's get out of the nest sometimes, amen? Is there something that God has called you to do that you feel uncomfortable doing and you've put it off? Friends, maybe now is the time to do it. And you know what? Whenever you step out in faith and follow what God has asked you to do, you're always going to benefit. Stretching those spiritual muscles hurts, but it's always beneficial. Amen? So, in summary, the three lessons we've learned from birds. Number one, it's a benefit to be part of a church, part of a spiritual flock. Number two, birds are necessary for spreading seeds. Um, and you can do that by a variety of means, one of which is giving away literature. 
And number three, lesson, third lesson that we've learned from birds is that sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zone and get out of the nest of the church, so to speak. Get out into the community and start learning how to stretch our wings and interact with people uh, in, a, in a salvational way. I'd like to close by reading one, one quote to you. This is uh, from the Audubon Society's website. Birds possess skills that have historically made them useful to militaries. Birds possess skills that have made them useful to militaries. During World War I, pheasants detected oncoming hostile aircraft at long distances and gave the alarm by their insistent cries. Canaries, of course, sensed poison gas. Gulls followed submarines in search of garbage. You ever wondered where that enemy submarine was? Just look for where the gulls are floating over the water because they're following it looking for garbage. Carrier pigeons successfully navigated through shell fire and passed bullets aimed at them. They transported messages that helped the Allies capture German submarines and that saved the crews of downed seaplanes and a sunken minesweeper. It turns out that birds aren't just useful, they're bona fide heroes. You know, you can be a hero too in some ways, just like those birds, by going out and telling somebody about Jesus and about the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's take these lessons from birds and let's put them into everyday application. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that uh, we can be part of your church. Lord, we live in a land where there's uh, yet religious liberty. And uh, Lord, we can participate in all the benefits of the gospel. Um, and yet, Lord, <clears throat> in times like this, just like the Israelites, as they were relaxing before at Kadesh Barnea before they entered uh, the land of Canaan, uh, in times like this, Lord, it's, it's easy for us to become relaxed to our own spiritual detriment. And so, Father, I pray that you would come down in the form of your spirit and motivate, move, encourage us to reach out to other people for you. Lord, we want to be like these birds. We want to scatter the seeds. And, Lord, we, we want to be strong in you and learn how to flap our wings, so to speak, so we can fly. Lord, we lift these things up to you, and thank you for the lessons that you give us in nature. In your name, amen.